0: Thank you. That was a good testimony. Congratulations on your promotion. Um, we would love to hear more people's testimonies, hear more people's uh, stories of what God is doing in their lives. So, if you're asked to share a testimony, why don't you take a risk and, and share it out? You don't have to be polished, just be you. Um, before we start, I had a prophetic word for Martina. Where you are? Hey. Um, just that picture came to mind, just like. Bam into my head of um, a flower, and I spent a while going, "What flower is it? God, hydrangea, viburnum? I'm not quite sure." But that the picture was of. Um, a flower that has got lots and lots of little flowers in it, little buds. And I love I love the image that I've had for people before, you know. It's like you're a bud and God's going to bring flowers into your life. And it's, you know, one thing. But the the picture that I had for you was it's one of those flowers that it's made up of lots of flowers. Like in a hydrangea here, there's, what, 50 little flowers. And um, what I feel like God wants to say is you're at the stage of your life where you are – there are a lot of things in your life that are in bud, and you're going to experience an unfurling of those, which is um, like exponential. It's like not just, oh, one thing comes. It's like a million of these things. And I don't know what they are for you, but I had a sense of the excitement of God for what he is going to be doing in your life. I just want to encourage you with that. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, so, Ida, our little girl, is almost one and a half. She's got a few words right now. She's only like, what, 16 months, so she's pretty much genius. She can say Duck. One of your best words. Why is it always duck? I don't know. It's never like seagull or anything else. Always duck. Uh, pasta is one is one of her favourite things. Pasta is probably her best word. No, not pasta, daddy. But like pasta, spaghetti. Yeah, pasta, pasta. Uh, Mummy. But the one we heard the most has got to be no. Or my kind of thing. Oh, I da. I da. She say like I do a lot. But this is this kind of this my no no doesn't always even mean no. Sometimes no means yes. Really it's just an asserting of her will. I want the thing. That's pretty much what she means. And it's incredible. You have this this beautiful little baby emerges into the world and you just see the sweetness and the light in them and then they start asserting their will and you go, You are just so selfish. Your whole world is Self-director, it's incredible. And it's, it's like you just see original sin when you've got a toddler. Because selfishness is the human default. It really is. It's rooted in our hearts from very early on. You've got to teach a child to take turns. You do not need to teach a child to grab the thing that they want. Now, we have all grown up a little, but the inner toddler is its never far from the surface. My personal experience is quite strong some days. And the further we go on in God, the more he transforms us, the more we become like him. But sometimes I am startled by how selfish I can be. It's amazing. Just, <laughs> you should be careful there. And I, this, this, um, this series that we're doing is challenging. You know, the blessed life, because we talk a lot about giving. And that is the opposite of the sinful human nature, which is all about getting. But giving is just a reflection of the heart of God. He is a God who gives and gives and gives. He doesn't want to take away from us. He wants to give to us. And so we are called to reflect him. And the more and more that we be like him, the better life goes for us. and goes for everyone around us. And, and so we, we're teaching a lot of stuff. Last week, Dave was talking about tithing. And, um, you know, that's a great thing. I really encourage you, if you're not tithing already, why don't you test God on it? you know, and see what he does. And I bet you are going to be surprised, pleasantly surprised. Um, But it's not just about copying some behaviors, you know, because you can adopt some behaviors, okay, I'm going to do this, but it doesn't always last if you haven't really had a shift happening in your heart. Yeah. And that's the level that I really want to talk about today, the heart of giving, the heart behind um, how we think about finance, how we think about our stuff. And um, I'm really believing today that we're going to have a, um, a shift happen in our in our hearts. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you um, oh, so much. You are a God who just gives to us. You are so generous. Lord, I thought I knew how generous you were and then I learned more about you. And you are even better. And Father, I want to be the kind of person who reflects who you are, who you have called me to be. And we want to be those people. And God, I ask that today, you would speak to the deep places in our lives. God, this wouldn't just be a message that hits us intellectually, that, that hits us going, okay, maybe I'll do that thing or try that or, or, or even something that causes us to cross our arms and go, and go, nope, I am not hearing that. We invite your Holy Spirit to speak to us today. We invite you, Holy Spirit. And God, I ask that you would cause the things that are of you for each person to be heard and to resonate Deep within them, Lord, and that my words would just fall to the floor. Thank you, God, that you are a God who speaks. Amen. Your giving is interesting. You know, you can even give selfishly. I remember um, I grew up in a Lutheran church. It was a very, uh, quite conservative, a lot of rich tradition and history in it. And we had this guy in our church. um, I think his name was Hans or Sven, or it's terrible. I don't know. I was little. He was old. You know how all old people look the same when you're little? it's true. He was German though. He was a wood carver. He was an incredible wood carver. And he'd done some stuff for the church. We had this amazing nativity set. But one day he, well over ages, he had carved this um, carving. It was a, a rose, like a Lutheran rose. I don't know. There's some kind of symbols that I forget about now. But he he made this and he gifted it to the church. And, and the people of the church were like, thank you. This is beautiful. This is wonderful. We want to put this in the foyer so people can see it when he comes in. He was like, no, no, no. I want it to go on the altar. And they were like, um, no, we're not going to do that because it's the altar. Like in older, church, older style churches, you have like a a special um, table and you have candles there and that's where you serve communion from. It's kind of a, it's a holy place. And um, he wanted it like front and center in the um, altar, which was inappropriate. Um, But also, and then he kind of did that. Well, if you're not going to put it there, you can't have it at all. And then um, I think maybe his wife talked to him <laughs> and talked some sense into him and then they put it in the foyer and I remember my mum explaining it to me and it being a moment where I was like ah okay yeah you can give selfishly can't you your heart you can do something generous but not have the right heart yeah. but going, going beyond that in this whole um, thing we're talking about of, of giving and receiving we can we can give with the purpose of setting ourselves up to receive have you ever done someone a favor in the hope and expectation that they're going to do a favour back for you. Like, you know that you're moving house in a bit. And so you're like, oh yeah, can I help you out with anything around the house? Because you're going to ask them down the track to help you move house. Because <laughs> it's, um, you know, and I want to take a moment to kind of address this stuff because it's an objection that people have often kind of, that rises up, and often rightly so, to um, the the teaching on finance and Pentecostal churches that you just kind of like, this whole prosperity gospel is about receiving and giving. Because it can be, but the thing is, it is a principle in the kingdom. And when I say in the, kingdom, in the kingdom, I mean like reality as it really, really is. It's a principle in the kingdom that you need to give to receive. And that when you give, you receive. But the, the selfish human heart kind of takes that truth and um, turns it into this, I'm going to give so that I receive. And then you get out with this kind of extreme prosperity gospel that, you know, in your mind, you're going to stereotypes of American preachers, aren't you? I am. <laughs> I give it to my ministry and God's going to bless you with this, like all of that kind of stuff. And we react to that rightly because there is something off there. Um, but that is not what we are talking about here. This is not what this series is about. And because the difference is at the level of the heart, isn't it? Yeah. And sometimes the heart is hard to see. And that's why we should probably quit being so judgy. But it's so tempting to just kind of throw all of that stuff out, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater, and you can give up on giving, give up on believing that God wants you to prosper at all. You know, like, I'm going to chuck it all out. And that's, you don't want to go there. So if I want to encourage you, if you've had, you know, sometimes you've had a bad experience with teaching on giving, and your heart's become hard in that, and you just kind of go, oh my goodness, when will this series be over? I want to encourage you to just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Yeah? And let's go to the Bible. Luke 6, Luke 6, 38. This is one of everybody's favorite verses. i read it to you from the Passion. Give generously and generous gifts will be given back to you, shaken down to make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. Oh, we like this verse. We when you you just take this verse and you think about money, if I give a bit, I'll get back more. It's like interest in your investment, and you do. You always receive back more than you give, both positive and negative. Though, you know, give forgiveness, you do receive more forgiveness back. Ultimately, you give love. You give love. Give condemnation comes back to you. Give judgment, it comes back to you. The world knows this. But the thing with the the context of this beautiful verse is actually it's quite challenging. And you've got to read the Bible in context. If you go a little bit earlier in Luke 6, um, verse 28 says, When someone curses you, bless that person in return. When you're mistreated and harassed by others, accept it as your mission to pray for them. When someone comes to beg from you, give to that person what you have. When things are wrongly taken from you, do not demand they be given back. If you lend money to, only to those you know will repay you, what credit is that to your character? Even those who don't know God do that. This is a little bit more challenging. It's in the context of giving, but that, that verse, you know, you just take it out of context and you go, yeah, whoa, when you read it wider. But it is true. You always receive back more than you give, and you receive back in kind. You give forgiveness, it comes back to you. you give judgment, it comes back to you. You give resources, it comes back to you. You give time, it comes back to you. You give money, it comes back to you. Financial giving does produce financial blessing. You know, it has been my experience, what the Bible teaches, and it's been my experience. But that's the reward, it's not the motivation, yeah? It's like, you know, you've got to love God for his sake, rather than just what you want him to do for you, yeah? And so it can be the same behavior, you know, as so many things in life, the same behavior can have uh, a different heart motivation, and it's at the level of the heart that, that really actually everything's determined, that determines the outcome. And so my prayer today is that we're digging down and shifting something at that heart level. And um, the important thing to remember, just brings it um, into context, is in Romans twelve two, talks about how do we change? How do we change? How do, I, how do I live a different life? Okay, and then the NLT, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. He is going to change you and transform you by renewing your mind, as the Holy Spirit changes the way you think. So we're not looking today so much to change your practice, but to change your mind. Where it needs changing, the change of behavior is an overflow, but that's not my aim. We're at today, but we are talking about giving. We're talking about all kinds of giving, but um, whether that is you know love, words, time, resources, but particularly money, because money, um, as I know Dave talked about last week, is the expression of. Stuff we're not bartering our donkeys. I don't know if you would barter donkeys or our crops or whatever. Uh, money is like the ultimate transfer of self, you know. Time is money, we say. All of that kind of thing. But back to Luke six. You give first before you receive, but that is hard because the world is just get, get, get. Yeah. There's a grip on our hearts that pulls us away from God. And there is a spiritual dynamic at work here. And And what it's called is the spirit of mammon, which is kind of a weird word, but it's just based on the Greek word for uh, possessions or, or riches um, or stuff and wealth In when it's deceitful, when it's pulling you away from God, when it's representing the... Um, so you've got the spirit of God versus the spirit of the world. And when it comes to stuff and money, the spirit of world is what we call the spirit of mammon. It's the system of the fallen world that stands in opposition to God and his ways. And so it's, it's unrighteous wealth. It's deceitful riches when Jesus uses that. Or actually, I've heard it translated, the God of money. It was a thing for people in Jesus' time, so he talked about it. But I reckon it is much, much stronger here. I would say it's the biggest idol in the West, Personally, I'm not lured away to worship any golden calves. I am not tempted to set up an Asherah pole or a something to Baal or whatever, you know, what was, they were tempted by back in the Old Testament. It's mammon. It's possessions, it's stuff that the world calls us to worship at the feet of. Because I know what it is like to worship mammon. I know that feeling where you just want to buy something. You know, like, have you had that feeling? You just want to buy something? I just want to lift. I want to feel a bit better. and Even if it's just the warehouse, you're like, what can I buy? I just want to buy something. And, um, oh, do you want to get, I think it's my handbag. Do you know what I'm looking for? Yeah. I've seen my kids do this. My beautiful little angels in the side pocket, I think. Um, I've taken my kids, and my kids have some money. They've earned some money. And they have this thing where they, we've been to the warehouse, and they'd be like, oh, mum, can we buy something? And I'm like, well, what do you want? Oh, I don't know. I just want to buy something. And am like, well, like, is there a thing? Like a toy? Like, no, just want to spend some money. <laughs> okay. And we have an IOU system kind of set up so that's, it's a possibility and I try not to be too oppressive in it, but wow, the stuff they come out with. Once this here, this is um, Rainbow Dash. She's missing legs. This is amputee Rainbow Dash. We aim for um, equal representation amongst our toys. So we have a few amputee toys. I remember the day that one of my daughters bought Rainbow Dash. Oh, Mum, I so want it. I love her. She's amazing, blah, blah, blah. And I can't remember how much it was, but certainly more than it should be worth, considering what it's made of. And, you know, she loved it, and it was great for a few days. And then it, like, caused some fights. And then, um, I don't know, don't know where her clothes are now. She hasn't got a leg. But then I hadn't seen her for a while. And then the other day, um, I found her outside in the garden, like buried under mown grass. And I was like, oh, Rainbow Dash, that's where you've been. And it was incredible. Be like, you have, you're you missing a leg, you know, but you were the object of desire. I had to have you. And now you have, you might be, yeah. <laughs> you might be heading to the red bin, love. <laughs> But can you relate? Can you relate? You know the siren song of mam, and I just want to buy something, and that we are just getting constant input from it. I remember when Ruby was young, we didn't. She didn't watch TV much. She watched like DVDs. We had like some of them, and and remember the first time she watched like proper TV, and the ads came on. She was like, "Mum, mum, what's this?" And I was like, oh, these are called ads. Why are they on?" Um, well, they're trying to tell you, to convince you to buy something that you don't really want. She's like, well, it's stupid. I'm like, mm, but it's working. <laughs> it's working. And it's, it's everywhere. It's sneaky. It's like the internet is incredible. You know, you search for something, and then the next, in your Facebook feed, suddenly there's ads for it. Again, you're like, yes, I do want that thing. Well, actually, I've already bought that thing, Google. Mm. But we are fed into it daily, and our brains are set up to love it. They've done um, brain scans of of you get this big spike of dopamine. Dopamine is like the pleasure chemical. Oh, that feels good. Um, that happens particularly when you're anticipating a reward. I thought this was really, really interesting. You, um, I think they were monkeys. Let's not think too much about that. Um, they had more of a spike when they were thinking about the treat they were going to get than when they actually got the treat. And so it wears off. The pleasure wears off. Possessing the item doesn't feel as good as thinking about buying it, yeah. holding it, oh. taking it to the checkout, bringing it home, showing it off to your sisters. And before you know it, it's out in the garden. Yeah. And you don't care anymore. It becomes normal and you're looking for the next new thing. And we call it retail therapy. But really, just because you move a little lift until like, the credit card bill comes, it is deceitful. And Jesus knew this long before functional MRIs revealed it happening in the brain. So he called riches deceitful. Now I'm not saying here, I'm not saying that money is bad in any way. Like, you know, we don't need to reject the world system and all start a commune. You can come live at a house and we'll only barter and not use money or anything. Like we're not going there because God can and does use money for his purposes. You know, money is neutral and stuff is not bad either. Created things are not bad. You know, God has created those things for our pleasure and for our enjoyment. And the more you enjoy the things you actually have and enjoy creation, you do actually get a deeper sense of peace than the slight lift you get from shopping. And I'm not going to get all Marie Kondo on you here, but she is onto something. Has anyone like got into that? Anyone watched it on Netflix? Yeah, it's quite interesting, eh? It's she is onto something. <laughs> she is. Because it's more about appreciating what you have, appreciating what you have, even perhaps seeing the spiritual aspect to God's provision in your life of what is necessary and what is beautiful, rather than just, you know, giving in to that urge to accumulate. And it's amazing, I think, that this, um, this decluttering has become such a popular thing. It's books, books. Have you heard of Swedish Death Cleaning? It sounds like, whoa, Does you clean so hard you die? I know, it does sound like a metal band. Probably is a metal band. Um, Swedish death cleaning is something that Swedish people came up with, I guess, where you know you're going to die soon, or maybe you feel like you're going to die soon. I don't know, or you're thinking about your death. So you clean out your house so that if you died, like, it wouldn't be awful. I really think I need to get my parents onto this. I mean, they're not. My dad is turning 77 tomorrow, and... Oh the stuff. I have a plan though, it involves a skip. <laughs> and yeah, we should talk about that. Oof. And I, I know that urge to declutter. I've often threatened my children with the big black bag. Yeah. And you just it's gonna chug it out. But the popularity of of the show Marie Kondo show and of this whole decluttering stuff, it shows there is a real need. In the West we have a problem with accumulation. We really do. And partly Partly I think it's because, um, you know, so much of society, we're at a stage now where we can afford to accumulate. We're not like, let's just get by and, you know, have 12 children because, you know, eight of them are going to die, you know, so young. We, We can accumulate and stuff is so cheap. It's amazing. But more than that, stuff and money and consumer has become a god to us. It's the primary idol of Western culture. It really is. It's mammon. And it's confronting when you read Matthew 6. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money or mammon or possessions. There is no half and half. It's either or. Now hear it right. I'm not saying you you cannot serve God and have money. You cannot serve God and enjoy nice stuff or be rich or even just be okay financially. Because it's not that money is the root of all evil. You know, when you read 1 Timothy 16 correctly, it's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. It's not the stuff that is inherently problematic. It is the spirit of mammon that is on the stuff. And that, that translated of mammon as deceitful riches is so insightful because it lies to us. It's the lies that mammon tells you that draws you away from God and his good plans for your life. It lies to us, it says, oh, we can trust in our money. We can trust in our power to earn it. It lies to us that money is going to make us self-sufficient. That money, and what it will buy, will comfort us. That money will make our marriage secure. That money will make our children succeed in life. Money will bring me friends. Money will make us happy. All of that. Now, I'm not denying the realities of financial security. Being in a place where you think, I do not know how I'm going to pay my bills, I do not know how I'm going to feed my children, that is a scary place. And I, I don't want to hear you, uh, you to hear me denying that because it, it is a reality. But that is a place as well to invite God into, to allow Him to speak into, and to let Him reorder your thinking about that. But it it lies money will make my marriage secure. Then we'll, we'll stop fighting when we don't have to fight about money anymore. Mm, no, you'll just keep fighting about money. We'll find something else to fight about. Um, ah, great quote from Jimmy Evans. Mammon promise us th- promises us those things that only God can give. Security, significance, identity, independence, power, and freedom. Mammon tells us that it can insulate us from life's problems and that money is the answer to every situation. And so we hoard, and we buy, and we buy, and we hoard, and then we get overwhelmed by our stuff, and we chuck it all out, and then we buy some more, (laughs) and it goes round and round and round, and consumerism loves it. Big business loves it, and people suffer. You know, The person making that cheap shirt is suffering. The rich get richer, and the poor get poorer. But it is is not just the world system as an abstract concept, and that's, that's important. But when we just kind of think about it as an abstract concept, we can really get lost in that. You know, what difference can I make? Does me not buying this cheap T-shirt from Kmart actually help someone in Bangladesh? You know? But it might not be a big difference, but it is a difference. But I'm not, that's not quite where I'm going today. I'm thinking about the heart. You can't serve God in Mammon. And if you're serving Mammon, if you're giving your life into that pursuit of that stuff to make you happy, God is edged out. It takes the place of God. Uh, I want to read to you 1 Timothy 6.10. Loving money is the first step towards all kinds of trouble. Some people run after it so much that they have given up their faith. Craving more money pushes them away from the faith into error, compounding misery in their lives. And that is true whether you are well off financially or whether things are very tight. It will pull you away from God. It draws us away from serving God. It does it by stealing our attention. You're preoccupied. You're distracted by earning money, the stuff that money can buy you. Even just, oh, I want to have that job so I can earn that money, so I can have that life, so I can blah, 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 blah wherever it goes. It steals our affection away from God. The things that I look for and for my comfort will be my stuff rather than my God. And it steals my dedication as well, I think, what I what I put my effort into, my energy. Um, I'm, I'm putting it into my work more than I'm prepared to let God in. You know, and that comes out in lots of little things. You know, we go, oh, we're going to go there. Where, you know, you go, oh, I need this job, but I can't go to church if I have this job, but I need this job, so I'm going to choose to trust my job over trusting God. And the reality is, when you don't go to church that much, you are edged out of your relationship with God. It has been my experience. It really has. I really thought I was more spiritual than that. <laughs> but I went through a season where I didn't go to church that much because I had a job on Sundays. And it was amazing. I, I remember like I had gone from like, early morning pre-meetings twice a week, and then I thought, three we- I haven't opened my Bible for like three weeks. I don't think I've thought about God this week. It was amazing. I didn't think I was that shallow. But you cannot seek wealth as the primary goal in your life and seek God's kingdom first. You can't. And what does God promise? Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Matthew 6, 33, live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Yeah, Yeah? it's not my truth. It's, It's not my words. It is God's truth, but it is how it works out. And many, many people here can testify to that. What's interesting is Mammon has some friends. Yeah. Mammon has friends. There's a, there's a spirit of pride, you know, which teaches, this wealth is from my hard work, so I'm going to take pride in my own effort. Um, I earned this. I can be proud. I can take the credit. I can show off. It's the kind of thing like a good a test might be if someone says, it's a nice dress. You don't say, oh, thank you. It's got pockets. <laughs> it doesn't have pockets. Wouldn't pockets be more handy? But it's say, yes, it is a nice dress. It's a... Whatever label you're into, I don't even know what they were. That was very expensive, but I just had to have it. That would be a spirit of pride. And I'm going to be honest, I don't really hear that a whole lot in New Zealand. Like, that's Kiwis are like, don't. Yeah, it's not going to make you friends. I think as Kiwis, we struggle more with a a spirit of poverty, where we think that uh, wealth is from the devil, it's bad somehow. And this is not something you just struggle with if you're poor, Rich people struggle with it as well. People in between who are just doing okay struggle with it. And it's this belief that I I shouldn't really have nice things and I need to kind of downplay my nice things. So if someone says, oh, that's a nice dress, your your reply isn't, oh, thank you, it's got pockets. It's, ah, this old thing, I got on sale. Or I picked it up at the op shop. I got it from a friend at a clothes swap. Because you can't go, yes, thank you, I like it it's, you feel like there is a thing, and I, wow, I got a, I got a new watch for my birthday, and um, I really like it, it's very pleasing to the eye, and um, it came in the mail yesterday, and I said to them, oh, can I wear my new watch tomorrow when I am preaching about consumerism? And then I was like, this is the poverty spirit. Like, just because my, you know, our mothers gave me money to buy a watch, like, why am I ashamed of that? What the, it's incredible, how it just sneaks in. But it is at the root is this wrong thinking about God and stuff. And it is something we have to root out. And, and you know, perhaps today you've had some thoughts, you go, oh, I don't think that was a problem, but maybe it is. I really want to encourage you to be confronting those mindsets as you go about your world. You know, when those thoughts come up about, even, you know, when you're shopping, just doing the groceries. Oh, why, why? I can't buy that. I can't have that. You know, you have those moments when you go to the checkout. People who are not grocery shoppers won't understand this. And you look at what else is on someone's, on the, whatever thing you call it? Escalator conveyor belt. It's not an escalator. <laughs> that would be a highlight, though. Like, timuru has one escalator. Who's taking the kids on the escalator in Farmers? And they're like, again, again, again. The conveyor belt. And you look at it. And I've felt myself, well, I, th- I feel like I've felt people judging or I've judged, like, no one cares what's on your conveyor belt. No one's thinking about you that much. But I want to encourage you, when these thoughts come up, go, hmm, is this something where I need to invite the Holy Spirit to come and change the way I think? Or perhaps you've there's some of those things about that spirit of poverty or perhaps the spirit of pride. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, I do do that. That's a place. I really want to encourage, we've got to be critical thinkers in this. I sound like my high school English teacher, but we have to be God-informed critical thinkers because the world is speaking so loud about this. Everywhere we look, there is just telling you, you need this, you will be happy if you want this. You know, ads are not selling us a thing, they're selling us a lifestyle, and they are whispering to us, if you possess this, then you will be happy you will have this thing if you do this you will be that kind of mother you will be that kind of husband you will be that kind of friend you will be that attractive or whatever it is and we need to be thinking about that stuff critically and especially if you're a parent you know that is where we need to help our kids because they are growing up in a a media saturated world you know way more than we ever did and it's so important to to teach them that the lies that it whispers are lies. Money is not going to make you happy. might solve some of your problems. And there is a level at which if you are really, really struggling, you you can't, it's hard to move beyond it. Yeah? And at that point, there is places for help. Christians Against Poverty is a fantastic place to start with that. But it won't make you happy because it's always more and more and more. And these would be great, some great thoughts, but I want to take us to have a moment just to be open before God. So why don't you stand to your feet with me? Maybe you can jump on the keys fast today. Um, because like I said, Romans 12.2, let God transform you by changing the way you think. And perhaps today you have been confronted by some mindsets. And you realize that the reason why you have an urge to Swedish Death Clean is because you have accumulated too much stuff and you have you are buying into this. If I have this thing, it will make me happy, but it's not working. And maybe it's edging God out. So let's just take a moment. Why don't you close your eyes to help you focus? Maybe you want to open your hands and open your heart. This is a posture to say, I invite you, God. Holy Spirit, we... We live in a world where the spirit of mammon is worshipped unashamedly. And God, you you say to us that your prayer isn't that we should escape the world, but to live in it. But to do that, God, we need help. And so, Father, we invite you to speak into our hearts now. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and change the way that we think to put your finger on some habits in our life that are drawing us away from you. Maybe it's a, an addiction to online shopping. It's a thing. <laughs> Maybe it's, um, you know, in a, in a time of stress, we lean into our work and hours because we, we're just trying to get ahead. But really, you want us to lean into you. And Father, we confess to you that we have served money. We have served stuff. We have served it as a God when we should have been serving you. And we're sorry, Lord. Father, draw our hearts back to yourself. Turn our eyes away from worthless things. We want to have true riches, Lord. We want to have true riches. Spirit, that um, you are kind and you are patient with us, that you never speak a word of condemnation to us. You never speak shame over us, but you call us forward in you to be more like yourself. Transform us this week, Holy Spirit, by changing the way we think. Move our hearts. Amen. I would encourage you that a, a, a thing that you can do to break the spirit of mammon, to break its power, is to give stuff away. It is incredibly powerful. And if you feel like if the Holy Spirit has gone, oh, and you're like, gee, I really want to change here, I would encourage you, give something away and, and see what happens. But you've got to go, like, go against the world order where the world says get and get, where the world says cheat and steal, we sow and reap. We give and we give and we receive. And that is that is the way of life that is best for us. Because the truth is that God wants to give to us, not take from us. And it's really easy to hear a message on giving and think, oh, God just wants to take things away from me. That is not his heart. I heard an amazing thing this week. Um, Lisa Tucker is talking about how in Genesis, what God says to Adam and Eve, the first words he says to them when they're conscious is, you are free. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Oh, except for that one over there because it's not good for you. You are free. But the enemy takes it and he says, did God say to you, you must not Eat that. That's not what God said. God said, "Don't, don't, don't do it." But He said, "You are free. You are free." And whenever you hear the voice of, "You must not," it's probably not God. You are free. It's mm. very helpful. Before we go and um, finish the service, I want to give an opportunity for you to respond to the gospel. You know, perhaps you're here in church. Uh, for the first time, perhaps you're here, and you've never made a decision to follow God, and that's something you would like to do. This is your opportunity. Or perhaps you are—you've um, walked with God in the past, but you're living a life now that you know is separated from Him, and you would like to re-enter into that relationship. We always give people an opportunity to respond to the gospel, because this God that we have been talking about today—he is a God who gives, and He gives. And He gave His only Son so that we don't have to be separated from Him. And that feeling of the love of God that we felt in worship earlier is who He really is. That's His heart towards us. And His arms are always open, ready for us to walk back to Him. But we we need to take the step. You know, He's not going to force Himself on us. So I'd like to give you the opportunity to take a step towards God today. So why don't you all close your eyes just to give each other this space. Is there anyone here today who, who would say, I want to respond to God for the first time or for the first time in a long time? If that's you, you just need to raise your hand up and give it a wee wave so I can see you. Is there anyone who wants to do that today? All right, you can open your eyes. Uh, just like Nat said earlier, we love to pray for people and there is always space at the end of the service to come down and to have someone come and pray with you, to share what's what's in your heart and have someone agree with you in prayer to, to see God do something miraculous in your life. But I, I just really want to encourage you this week to, um, to, to listen to the nudges of the Holy Spirit where He's trying to change the way you think and to hold each other accountable to that. You know, the next time that that your friend says, oh, and you say, oh, like your top, and they're like, oh, it was 50% off. Just be like, spirit of poverty, you're allowed to pay 100% for something. I'm thinking like, no, you're not, no, you're not. Oh, I've got to make progress there. Thank you very much. I'm going to hand back over to naresha